So I feel a lot of women are intimidated by success because of what we've seen and the role that we typically play in society is to be a stay-at-home mom or to be this or to be that. So we have this belief that we can't have it all. And I'm again, determined to change that. So I like to be transparent, not only on the business side to show people like what's possible, what works, what doesn't work, but also you can't have it all. And we want to normalize wealthy women who do have it all, the family, the spouse, the business, it can be ours. And I want my children's children to grow up in a world where the women, that narrative no longer exists. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and I believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and less than 25% of women are breaking the C-suite glass ceiling. And our team at CEO School is on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who are breaking the statistics, as well as women well on their way sharing how they defied the odds so that you can do it too. If you are an ambitious woman who wants to create a life of impact through financial freedom, self-growth, and find confidence in your voice, grab a seat because class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Hi, everyone. Welcome to CEO School. This is your host, Sanira Madani. And today I'm so excited and fired up for today's episode for you guys to learn from Melanie Aubert. Melanie is a friend of mine. She's part of our 2.0 group. She's a seven-figure entrepreneur. But get this, she was a corporate dropout. And now she helps women businesses with their marketing and sales and all things soulful. And so welcome, Melanie, to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I mean, I'm so pumped on having you. I've been following you on your journey for quite some time. And I love how open you are about your story, about your upbringing and kind of how it led you down this path. So I'd love for us to begin there and kind of sharing how you started. What's your journey and how it brought you to entrepreneurship? Absolutely. I'm a firm believer that our stories create, you know, who we are as human beings and it transcends into our businesses and who we are as business owners. So going back way back, uh, I grew up in a household of drug abuse. Uh, both my parents were drug addicts. Um, I have five siblings, so quite a lot of us, and it was a really hard upbringing. I was incredibly poor. I was a hungry kid. When I was a child, I don't know what it was, but I always knew that I was meant for more and meant for big things. Um, So as I grew up, school was my biggest outlet. It was my favorite thing I love to learn. And if you know me, you know, I'm just like a vessel of knowledge, but I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I thought that was the route that I wanted to take. So I got my bachelor's degree in, uh, in integrated marketing communications. So I love marketing, all things digital, Uh, anything in that space. And when I got into the corporate environment, I realized very quickly that um, it was a very outdated marketing approach and sales approach. And so when I got into the online space, I fell in love with the freedom. So I dropped out of my corporate job and I started my own business. And fast forward to now, we are a seven figure company. So yes, she hit the 2% club. That's so exciting. Melanie, that was that I appreciate you sharing your background and upbringing. I can't even imagine growing up in that scenario and then finding a way out. What would you kind of tell yourself looking back at that, Melanie, maybe from as a child? Did you think you'd ever be here? 
So weirdly enough, uh, yes, but I didn't never expect it to look like this. If I'm honest, I always thought it was going to be a, a corporate job, but I, it's weird. Cause like whenever you ask like famous celebrities, did you ever know if you're going to be famous? They're like, yeah, I always knew. And it's like the same kind of thing, but I just, I, I didn't want that life. I just, I wanted something different and I was determined to change my children's future and, and generations after me. My biggest driver in my life is that the generational trauma that my family's experienced ends with me. So everyone that comes after me is going to see opportunity differently, going to see business differently, money differently. Um, and that's just, it, it was weird, but it was always instilled in me that that was going to be my future. That's incredible. And I, I recently actually watched you share your story online and I was definitely very touched, you know, not just as like a mother, as your friend, like all of the things and growing up in that environment and then seeing yourself as a star still and being like, I'm going to do great things. And I know you talked about like the wonderful teachers in your life and other ways that you were impacted. And it was just, it was really touching. And a lot of people aren't vulnerable enough to share their stories. And sometimes when we open up our phones and we see success, we only see the, the fancy glam and what we, what other people view as success. And it's not just money, it's freedom. And I really love you, how you shared your story alongside of that. And so I'm just grateful for you sharing that. Absolutely. And, and one thing that I always strive to do is surround myself with people who do what I want to do. So hence, you know, the, the 2% club CEO school, my teachers growing up, I always gravitated towards those that were, were good company. And I continue to follow that same thing now is I just surround myself with the right people. And that was a big, a big reason why I'm here today. And honestly, it, with social media now, vulnerability is a missing factor. I I don't do service to anybody if they see just the glamorous part of it, because I want people who grew up the way that I did to see that it's possible. So I have to be vulnerable for them to see themselves in my story. So that's why I do it as uncomfortable as it can be. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And I definitely can relate to that, not to your particular story, but just a lot of things that I grew up around traditionally as like a Pakistani Muslim girl and being in the role and the positions that I am today outside of the home, something that's very non-traditional and so in very different ways. And so I really like to share breaking all of what we believe is like the norm, like when people place us in boxes and sharing that. And so I agree with you. Yeah. And the people who have something to say about what you're doing, it's just, you're challenging what they believe to be true. So my goal in life and in business is to do that always. So that's why I teach marketing different sales different is because I want, I want to bring a fresh perspective to everything. So I love it. One of the things that I actually love about you is that you talk about money. Yes. And this is a topic that is so taboo for most women. We're, we're not supposed to talk about money. We don't share our earnings. We don't share our revenue. Mm-hmm. And when every time I see Melanie on my page anywhere, you are literally so transparent about your revenue numbers, your progress, and just money in general. Where does that come from? And, and how can we learn from you in that? Yeah. So I want to break the standard of what a wealthy woman looks like because typically it's been portrayed a certain way in the media. So like any movie you watch, Devil Wears Prada, Mean Girls, the wealthy woman is either divorced multiple times. She's an asshole. No one wants to be around her. And I want to redefine what that looks like because I feel a lot of women are intimidated by success because of what we've seen and the role that we typically play in society is to be a stay-at-home mom or to be this or to be that. So 
we have this belief that we can't have it all. And I'm again, determined to change that. So I like to be transparent, not only on the business side to show people like what's possible, what works, what doesn't work, but also you can't have it all. And we want to normalize wealthy women who do have it all, the family, the spouse, the, the business, it, it can be ours. And I want, I, I want my children's children to, to grow up in a world where that narrative no longer exists, right? Like that's no longer a conversation. It's just, we share because we can't. And I don't know why money is such a taboo topic. If you really think about it, like who we invented money to make life easier. Like we invented that. So I don't know why we have created this big construct around money in general and why it's this big, it's like, it's not a big deal, but you know, I just don't want it to make it a big deal. So therefore it's not. <laughs> I love it. It's not one of my dear friends, Reese Evans. She was on this show. If you haven't caught that episode, I would definitely go listen to Reese's episode. Uh, She's the founder of Yes Supply. Mm -hmm. And she talks so freely about money. And she actually talked about this exactly what you talked about that women, our whole lives, we've seen uh, money as bad because every character that's ever as a female, that's ever been rich, Cruella DeVille, like every single money is associated with evil. And so just retraining our framework on money. And she said something to me, um, during that episode that really stuck with me, which is money is just an exchange of energy. It's an exchange. And so when we remove that concept of it, you actually remove its power too, which allows for the abundance of, of money. Um, and so I think it's super powerful and I think it's so great, but don't you ever feel judged by putting it out there? Because I also think that we, as women, sometimes I'm going to call us out for that. We, we crave that. We want other people to do it, but then we don't want to show up to the party to to share our stuff. Yeah. So one thing that I fully believe in when it comes to law of ethics is your intention determines your outcome. So my intention is never to gloat or show that I have more, that I'm better. I want to show you what's possible. So when I rise, you rise, we rise is what I always say. So I believe that, you know, she who leads herself and women who are, who are leaders don't look at competition. They look at, you know, creating and and creativity. So I used to feel incredibly scared to mention money or talk about money, but I think that where we get kind of weird is when there's a lot of guilt and shame around money because we think we make more money we take away from somebody else. That's not true. The million dollars I make and the billion dollars Jeff Bezos makes, it was all already there. I just was able to call it in, bring it in and generate it for myself. So I think we think that we're taking away from people. But one thing I always like to remind myself is I can, I, I've been poor. I've been hungry. I get, I know what that feels like. I cannot help poor people when I'm poor. Nothing, and you always say that say this. Nothing bad ever happens when a woman has more money. Nothing. It's you just add money to that. All it yeah, all it is. It is, and nothing bad happens when we have more money. I do not understand why these like we cannot actually create. People ask me all the time of like why I keep going or why do I need to? Why am I so focused on like multiple projects? And I'm into so many things. One, I'm a creative person, and I need I like to keep going. Like I see opportunity. And I get excited about opportunity and I have a playbook of success. So I'm like, I love to apply it. But secondly, you talked about, I want to have generational wealth, something yeah. that we didn't have. Like in our family, I came from an immigrant household. God bless my parents. They did so much. They worked so hard to give us an education. And that was how I'm going to be able to, to create generational wealth for my family. 
But lastly, it's also the fact that if I want to actually make an impact, money can make an impact and I can go help the people that I want to go help with that. It doesn't mean that I need to consume all that money. It doesn't mean that it's all for me, Uh, but nothing bad happens when women actually have more money. We're actually the biggest contributors to consumer, to the economy. We're in every category, every category, category, even gaming. I found that fascinating. Yes. Yes. Every category and including giving, including, and actually majority of giving is actually done and philanthropy is actually led by women. And so literally the world will be like actually a better place if we have more money. Exactly. Exactly. So I see money as love. Like it's the vibration. Like you look at the energy of it, it vibrates the same frequency as love. So the more money I make, the more lives I'm changing, the more money my clients are making. Like, it's just a beautiful exchange that I, why would I not want to make more of it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so now tell us, so how did your entrepreneurial journey, um, kind of kick off? (laughs) Oh Lord. Okay. Cause we've got a lot of corporate uh, women here listening and I know many of them just might be afraid to, to, to quit the nine to five. Yes. So I am not saying this is great advice, but this is my journey. So I knew I was, I was side hustling and I was also working my full-time job. So I got to my corporate job an hour earlier just to work in my business. Like I was an online personal trainer. Like I did all the things and I was not making any money, but I knew I'm, I'm a hustler at heart because it's this vital instinct that I grew up with. So I knew I'd make it work, but I knew that I had to get rid of my plan A and my plan B in order to light the fire underneath my ass to keep going. So I, this is so random, but I was leaving for, for work one day and I turned on the radio for my dogs. <laughs> and when I was leaving, I turned on the radio and I it normally it's just like regular, like country, I live in the country. So like regular country music, but it, it blared and it says, do you actually believe in God? And it was like frightening because I, it was like talking directly to me, like old dial radio. So nothing's ever clear. So I was like, oh my God. And then he said, uh, on this, on the station, he goes, you know, imagine if you're standing in two boats, right? And like you're, you're in the, what feels safe and the place that you want to go. You never actually go anywhere. You're just really wobbly. He goes, if you really believe in God, you have full faith. You jump in one boat and you sail into the unknown and you have faith that it's going to work out. And he goes, if you really believe in God, you'll jump in one boat. And after I heard that, I literally went to my boss and put in my two weeks. And I was like, this is someone's talking to me. Like I hear you, let's go. So I quit. I cashed on my 401k to hire my first coach. What? And yes. Hold yeah. on. I didn't, sorry for the podcast listeners uh, and my pitch just went really high. You <laughs> cashed out. So you quit your job and you know, you're going to have no income. Correct. And so instead of figuring out, you're, like, you're just like, I'm going to take all the money that I have even saved for retirement. So Correct. your entire safety net you wiped out. Everything, everything. So I know I don't, I don't recommend it. Yeah, I had full faith. So, and I, I'm newly engaged. We just bought a house. So like we're playing, we're planning a wedding. It was, it was the worst timing, but anyway, I quit my job, catch my 401k. I hired my first coach and it was, it was at the time, the most money I've ever spent my entire life on anybody. And it was the worst experience of my life. And I come from a background in marketing. I already had my toes in the water when it came to online business, but I hired this person because of, of the hype. And I didn't really do my due diligence in terms of asking the right questions. And like, it, it was a mess. But anyway, when I was in that container, I, I, I think really out of the box when it comes to business, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to sales and all my ideas that I had presented to her, she goes, this won't ever work. This won't work. And she goes, it has to be this way. I'm like, there's no such thing as has to, there's no such thing. So after our time together, I never asked, you know, for a refund or whatever. I just, I, it was a learning experience. So after that, that's when I really got creative and 
what do I actually want my business to look like? And let's just play. Let's just trial and error this shit and just figure it out. So what I did was I took all of my knowledge when it came to marketing and I started my very first group program. Uh, My clients were making more money than me. It was the most phenomenal thing. But had I listened to her advice, allowed her to, you know, her insecurities to seep into what her limited knowledge was in the online space, I wouldn't be where I was. So I have this resiliency. I had no choice because I cashed out all of my money and I started my business. And from there, it was like, it was off to the races and I haven't stopped since. And that was three years ago, three years ago. Three years ago. And now you are a seven figure business. Yeah. I love your resiliency. And I love that you don't take no for an answer. That is something that I really value because I think as entrepreneurs, everybody has a way of doing, it doesn't have to be the same salad, right? I think everyone makes the salad differently. I was actually talking to a marketing friend, actually for a wind down Wednesday episode. And we were talking, she was talking about the marketing salad or the marketing cake. And it's like, everyone's ingredients are different to, to make a cake. And they're still really delicious tasting cakes, but if the base is the same, so as long as you know, like you still got to make a cake with flour and eggs and sugar, like you still have to make it your own. And I love that. And I actually love that you said it doesn't have to be exactly this way. I can make my cake exactly how I want to and eat it too. And that's exactly what you're doing. Yes. Yes. There's no one way. There's no one way. It's just what they did. And they, they assume that that's standard. So when it's not, it's not a standard. I really applaud you and your courage and that bravery. I think that it's really easy for, you know, consumers on the other side, you know, we look at entrepreneurs, we see successful businesses and it just like happens overnight. One is like what people assume to you're giving yourself, like you're talking through this so fast of that decision-making that you made of cashing out your 401k. That is a very, to take that level of risk and to bet on yourself. That means that you knew that you are going to make it work no matter what. Yes. I'm an investment, not a gamble. I'm my biggest ROI always. So like, that's how I view myself. And that is one of the reasons why I'm here. I'm an investment, not an ROI. You heard it first at CEO school with Melanie. That is amazing. I love that quote. And you are. And I see a lot of the times, especially with like the side hustle um, economy. Now I'm a huge believer in the side hustle economy. I think it's so incredible that you can have a nine to five and still be dabbling in creative entrepreneurship, building different revenue streams. But I think it comes to a point where you're, you have to decide if this is always going to stay your side hustle or you're going to either go for it. Absolutely. And I've never seen people be successful having like without going for it. And so when you put both feet in just in that boat analogy, you are the driver as well. You have to you have to take that risk and you are the driver. Yes. That's unbelievable. And what we forget too, especially in the online space, there's a 0% chance of fail, failure if you keep going. Like you get there eventually, you just have to keep moving. So which if I, I would rather take those odds than gamble in a corporate job and wonder if I'm going to get a raise. They denied my $1 raise. I'm like, that's not even a lot of money. So I was, I, I would rather... I'd rather control my ceiling versus be underneath theirs. I love it. You're, I, I agree with controlling your own ceiling. Yeah. Um, all right, Melanie. So give us some of your best. If you, if we were workshopping today and we were one of your clients, cause I know you coach very successful women in these particular, in, in the online space. Yes. Um, but we have lots of listeners in many different industry types. So I know you're a marketing and sales guru. What are maybe some of the things that you can help impart uh, some knowledge and wisdom that we can take away for our businesses and also be 
seven figure businesses. Absolutely. One of my goals in life is to redefine what marketing and sales is. I think, and I had a lot of arguments with professors in college because the way they teach sales and marketing is from a very masculine perspective. It works to a certain extent. Um, I like to sell and market in a way that's very experience driven and it's very invitational. So I don't push, I don't follow up. I simply talk about the experience. I showcase my knowledge. I give value and people flock to me. I think that we think that sales has to be convincing. I don't want to work with someone I have to convince, right? Mm -hmm. I want to work with people who want to work with me. So I sell from a need, from a want base uh, perspective versus a need. I would rather like, think about it. People love to spend money. We love to buy shit. Like people will buy the new iPhone and not pay their water bill or their mortgage. So I want people to want to pay me that way versus feel the need the need to pay me. So sales traditionally is very, here's why you need this. Here's what happens if you don't buy this. You know, push, push, push. And no one likes that feeling. It's a lot like dating, right? Like when you're sitting, if, if you and I were on a date right now, Sonny, I, would, I wouldn't say, Sonny, here's why you need to marry me. These are all my greatest qualities. This is why I'm so great. You'd be like, can you calm down? <laughs> like, take a minute and just take a breather. I want to have a conversation. I want to enjoy the time we're spending, the experience that you're providing. And then it will transition into, you know, a conversion or dating or whatever that looks like for you. But I, I think we we see sales as scary, like we're taking away, we're, we're having to push when it doesn't have to look that way ever. I love that you own your power and you're like, I don't even follow up. They just oh. want to work with me. Okay. Many of us here is like, how, right? Like what that level of confidence or that value that you're giving that experience. I love that you talked about experiential selling versus it's a push sale. And so we're always selling. I think like, I always like get frustrated and roll my eyes and like, I hate selling. Like you're yeah. always selling. We're selling all day long. Right. We're selling all day long. And we really have to own our story. I think that storytelling is probably the most powerful way to buy. Yeah. Yes. Buy. So what are, so, so for, for those that are probably listening, they're like, okay, how do you have that power or what type of value you're giving that you don't even have to follow up? Yes. So first you need to know, I, I think that we, we give so much power to circumstance. So I call it circumstantial power. Uh, you know, I'm only powerful if people buy or when so-and-so joins this or whatever that is, you're powerful because you are, right? Like I like to use, I like to use Jeff Bezos as an example, but when Jeff Bezos was birthed into this world, God wasn't like billionaire. Like he is worthy of everything. And you were born and they're like, you know, mediocre life, maybe six figures. Let's figure it out. Like we're all born worthy. We all have power. There's one to 400 trillionth of a chance you're even alive. Like, don't even tell me you're not here for a reason. So that's what I like to believe. I believe I'm on a mission. Therefore I am like, that's just my truth. I embody that. But I show up with conviction because I know I want to change lives and that transcends energetically. Like people feel that I care and that, that that's just it. I'm not looking for a sale. People aren't numbers. They're people. And I, and I want to change their lives. So I like to use, when it comes to marketing, the, I like to use Southwest. I, I fly United, but Southwest is example. So whenever Southwest is selling, you know, tickets to let's say Mexico, they're not saying, you know, here are leather seats. Here's the recliner. Here's the air conditioning. They talk about the destination. They're showing you what it's like to frolic on the beach, sipping pina coladas, not worrying about work or not worrying about whatever. You're just enjoying yourself. That is how I market, right? A lot of us focus on the airplane and all the things that are in the airplane, all the things that someone, we don't buy that. We buy the experience. We buy the destination. We buy that thing that, that you're bridging the gap from where they are to where they want to go. And a lot of us get kind of wrapped up in the, 
here's what it is, but people don't buy it, right? They, they buy how, why, where, when, you know, like all the other things that really matter. I love it. And I love that example. It's the feeling. It's, it's yes. that feeling. And I was actually talking about this in my stories yesterday, doing a and a and somebody asked me, what is your definition of success? Yeah. And, and success isn't defined. Like we really clearly want to answer by a metric or a financial number or a big house. It's not about having a mansion. It's the feeling of walking into my home. I want to walk into a home that's organized and clean yes. and makes me feel amazing. It's yeah. the feeling of the house. It's not how big my house is. Yes. You know what my version of success is or like my definition? Yeah. Going to get my hair done on a Tuesday at 8 a.m. without having to call someone and say, hey, can I take off the day? Like I have blonde hair. It takes forever to tie this. So <laughs> that was freedom. It, that's freedom to me is doing whatever I want when I want. And like that to me is success. It doesn't matter how much money I have, although I love having money, but like it's the feeling of freedom. It's freedom. It's freedom of, there's, those are the two reasons I always say I started a business for freedom of time and freedom of dollar. Like those are the two things that, and it's the, it's the freedom of being able to do it the way I want, when I want in the time that I want to do it in. Absolutely. I love it. Okay. So you would say market from market experience and the feeling. So that, that was one of your, one of the things that you teach. What about some tactical stuff um, in sales marketing? Absolutely. So what we don't always realize too, it's, it's repetition is the most important piece. I think in the online space, I don't know who started this trend, but you needed to be doing new and new and new and like trying to like, why are we trying to do new things on average? It takes 16 exposures to a message in order for it to resonate. So that's 16 exposures to you, who you are, your story, what you want to be known for. So for me, it's marketing sales, money mindset. Um, I, I repeat myself over and over and over again, because I know that helps them understand, oh, she is the go-to for this, right? It takes 12 to 22 exposures to an offer in order to purchase. I cannot tell you how many people that go, Melanie, I'm not selling anything. And I go to their Instagram. I have no idea what they're selling. There's no information. They're not talking about it. They're not. I, I think we think that we're annoying people when we're repetitive, but like if your offer changes someone's life, wouldn't you want to be like screaming it from the rooftops? Like everyone, like if you really think about it, I'm my biggest fan. So on my Instagram, I am like, no, no, no. We're your biggest fan. We're your biggest fan. <laughs> Thank you. I am on my Instagram. Like I'm so genuinely excited to share what I have to offer. And I invite people in. So it's just like hosting a dinner party. You want everyone to come because you're so excited about it. Like that's what I tell my offers. So an easy exercise is have someone that doesn't know you or the online space or wherever you are and have them go to your Instagram. If they cannot tell you what you sell in 30 seconds or less, there's an issue. You have to sell something repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. So that's my biggest thing is you, you need to be consistent in what you're selling and, and what you want to be known for. I love it. And this can probably apply to every industry type. So wherever your customers are landing, whether that be like your primary vehicle social, whether that be through your, on your website, whether that be through your landing pages, whether that you're converting through your emails, this is probably applicable to all different styles of industries. And I even think it goes back to the corporate professional because 40% of our audience is actually working professionals. And something that I find the most frustrating when I'm actually looking at candidates online, we're always hiring. Since the, my, since I started my company in 2013, there has not been a single month that has gone by that I've not hired a person ever in my life, literally for the last seven years. Yes. It, it's the most insane thing. I, I think it's actually a fun fact. Like it's probably <laughs> go into like my fun facts uh, pieces about me because we have 200 people. It didn't just happen overnight. Like that was a lot of people to hire. Something that I get really frustrated with is the fact that when I go to their LinkedIn's 
and like they have really bad pictures and or no picture at all or like this awkward selfie like just like get tell your story man like tell your story i want to go to whatever your website is whether it's a business or it's you you should be able to tell your story in a few words in a simple bio with a simple photo and i should be able to understand who you are as a person and like what you stand for or what your experience is very quickly and so many professionals so this is for all my working professionals listening just miss it so go check out your pages whatever that may be yeah i think we wait again for circumstance when i have that job then i'll show up that way or when i have the audience then i'll show up that way you should be showing up for what you want right now like if you already had the consistent income already had the clients already had the dream job how would you be showing up yeah how would your page look how would you how would you be acting what's the experience you want to provide like i i can guarantee it's different than how you're currently doing it i embody that person every single day I acted as if I was a seven figure business owner before I even was one. Yes. And that person thing. felt different. Yeah. Yes. It's almost that point of like, you know, how clothes make us feel a certain yes. way of like who we're like clothes very quickly do that for us of mm-hmm. how you dress is how you feel. Even if you don't have the job right now, dress for the job you want to have. It's almost the same concept of change it with our clothes. Like, why don't we have it for mm-hmm. we always want to wait for that experience. Amazing. Okay. So before we come to an end onto the show, I really want to dig into money mindset with you. Cause I know this is one of your expertise. I actually didn't even know about money mindset, like that it was called money mindset. And I guess I have really good money mindset. I just didn't know that's what this was. Let's talk about what is money mindset and how do we have better money mindset? Yeah. So it's an active practice, but part of it's unraveling what you've been taught. So one thing for me is looking at the the narrative in my household growing up. So, cause we carry generational trauma with us. We carry the beliefs from our parents. We carry all of that. Um, so one thing is diving into how your parents perceived money. Like money was every root of every argument my parents had. There was never enough of it. It was never consistent. They always had a hustle. And so we, we carry those beliefs into our business, into our lives. So we get into business thinking that we have to work really hard for it. I don't work more than two hours a day and I make a lot of money. So like, not that I don't work hard, but I think we confuse working hard with working a lot of hours. There's a difference. So there's that. So dissecting how your parents perceive money and then looking at what's actually fact and what is feeling. So a lot of that's what our parents projected onto money. Money again is neutral energy. It's nothing, but we don't realize that the narrative, our brain does one of two things, right? It, it, it reminds us that we are correct. And it lets us know when there's impending doom or danger coming our way. So if you say, you know, I'm never going to be rich, right? Your brain's going to find evidence to show you that you're not going to be rich. Like we literally create our realities. Our brains do that for us. Like that's their job. So the narrative that you have around money is going to be your projected reality. I don't think we realize that. And the craziest part is it's all bullshit. Like it's not even, it's not even real. So your, your parents' belief around money, what are you carrying? And societal beliefs around money, what are you scared of? A lot of women fear success. They don't want it to change them when really it's just you and you add money. So it's really unveiling what money is to you or what it means to you. And then how that, because it, you are not your business. Your business is a part of you. And part of what you believe to be true around money, it translates into your offers. So if you think that money's hard to get, you're not going to get a lot of leads. Like if you really think your brain again is going to prove you right, but money mindset, there's, there's a lot of depths to it. It's a really beautiful process, but you start to really question everything. You're like, that's not even true. Like I charge anywhere from $60 to three thirty thousand $30,000 for, for coaching and, and what I do. 
the price doesn't matter. It's not about the numbers, right? It's about what they believe to be an investment or a gamble. That's the reality of it. So really dissecting what you believe to be true, it, it, it really lifts you out of this illusion that you're stuck because we created money and time. How can the two things that we create to make our lives easier control us? It's physically impossible. It's physically impossible. One thing, I heard the story once about a flea. And for those of you who don't know, fleas can jump uh, 200 times their body length, which is insane. But what happens when you put a flea in a jar, right? It'll, it'll jump and it'll bang its head and it'll stop jumping that high because it knows it can only jump as high as a lid. So it'll jump that high. Then when that flea has babies, the, the babies look at that flea and only see it jump as high as, as the lid. So it jumps maybe a little bit higher or, or right underneath it, whatever. So that's how we grow up. We see how far our parents jump. And we jump, you know, just as high. That's all we see to be possible. But what we don't realize is, same thing when it comes to money mindset, when you unscrew that lid, you can jump as high as you want, right? You can jump as high as you want. And until we realize and take, it's actually self-accountability. Take accountability, because when we take self-accountability, we're able to change our circumstance. We're able to move out of where we are. When we blame everyone else, we're kind of stuck because we're powerless. So we have all the power. We have all the movement. It's just unscrew the lid. Like you have the control over all of that, but that's money mindset. It's just, I mean, there's a lot of layers to it, but really just looking at what do you believe to be true? And is it actually true? I love it. I love it. I love it so much. And let's unscrew our lids. And I've never thought I wanted to be a flea, but let's be please. And let's go two more times. And I love that analogy. It's so amazing. Thank you so much for just all the wisdom that you shared. We can continue to learn from you. Where can we find you and how can we support you, Melanie? Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram. It's Melanie Aubert. Melanie with two eyes. Don't ask why. That's just how it is. Uh, on Instagram, I have uh, programs from content creation, selling, money mindset, coaching, anything that you need, I, I have. So this is my mission is to change how we see all of this and to make it easier for everybody. So, Melanie, we're so excited for all the things that you shared with us. And we're excited to jump high and fly high. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We can't wait to continue to support you. Until next week at CEO School. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and show. Our team at CEO School works extremely hard to bring you the best content, authentic conversations, and expert guests curated every single week to keep you leveling up in leadership, business, and in life. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating telling us what you enjoy the most. We will be sending CEO School swag for the next 100 reviews, so don't miss out. Write a review and send us a screenshot at podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Again, it's podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Thanks so much. We love having you here.